0: Morning has often been labeled Doubting Thomas, and I have long felt that poor Thomas gets the bad end of this deal. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to preach on this text, but in studying this passage, I realized that we have not only focused on the way that Thomas is compared to the other disciples, but we've also focused on the people in the story instead of God's actions in the story. So let's look at the passage with the lens of what God is doing this morning. First, we have to set the stage. It is Easter day. After Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus prepared and buried Jesus' body, Mary Magdalene has come to the tomb and found it empty. She runs to tell the disciples, and Peter and the disciple Jesus loved run to the tomb to look, see the grave clothes, and leave. Mary stays at the tomb. She's weeping. This teacher, whom she had followed, And whom she had loved has died. And now she can't even honor him at the tomb because his body is gone. When she bends over to look inside, she sees two angels sitting where Jesus' body had been. They ask her why she is crying, and she answers that she doesn't know where they have taken her Lord. Then Jesus appears behind her, but she doesn't recognize him until he says her name. She cries out, My teacher! And Jesus sends her back to the disciples to tell what she has seen. That's where our story picks up in John 20, verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, "'Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I send you.' When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, "'Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained.' But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, "'We have seen the Lord.' Lord, you have revealed yourself to your followers. And through their witness, we know who you are. Do you continue to reveal yourself to us this morning as we study and read what you did in those first appearances? Amen. In those resurrection appearances, we see how our very human Lord meets the disciples in the very human places in which they find themselves. But we also see our very divine Lord transform these human places in powerful ways. We have to start with Mary, even though she's not really part of our text this morning, because she's part of the same pattern. Jesus encounters Mary in inconsolable grief. She has followed Jesus all the way to the tomb, and her sadness is overwhelming. It is consuming enough that even the appearance of the two angels in Jesus' tomb can't shake her grief. She doesn't even seem to notice their angelic appearance when she answers them. They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. This is something she might have said to the stranger on the street, let alone the angels in the tomb. And this is when Jesus appears to Mary, not after she has gone back to the synagogue And understood all of the scriptures about the Messiah. Not after the pain of her grief has dulled from the sharp agony that she's currently feeling. Jesus appears here, in the middle of Mary's darkest moment and deepest sadness. She's feeling the depth of human emotion and grief, and Jesus enters into that space with her. Fortunately for Mary, Jesus doesn't choose to leave her in that grief. He would have been present with her even if she had never recognized him. He was still there even if she had gone away thinking that this man was the gardener because Jesus chooses to show up for us. But Jesus didn't leave her in that place. He says her name, Mary, and she immediately recognizes him crying out, My teacher. I think it is safe to say that Mary's grief had been transformed into joy. She has seen the Lord, and she gets sent back to the disciples to share this wonderful and amazing news. This is the same pattern that we will see with the other disciples. Jesus shows up in their darkest human moments and transforms them in the way that only the Lord can. It is later on that same day, Easter Sunday, when the disciples are gathered together. Mary's message doesn't seem to have had much impact on them, we read that they have shut up the doors because they are afraid of the Jewish leaders. This isn't a surprising feeling. They spent the last week watching the Jewish leaders arrest Jesus, try him in a kangaroo court, turn him over to the Romans, and have him crucified. It's a fairly reasonable fear to worry that the Jewish leaders will be coming for them next. So they've gathered together in relative hiding. People probably arrived quietly. Maybe they were looking back over their shoulders to make sure that they weren't being followed. They're probably speaking in hushed tones, hoping that their presence won't be revealed to the Jewish leaders. This is the moment Jesus chooses to appear to them, in the middle of their fear. He doesn't wait until they have figured out that they are safe. He meets them where they are. And Jesus transforms the disciples, too. His repeated statement is, Peace be with you. Jesus says it twice here, not just as the first greeting when he enters through the closed doors and walls, but again after he shows him his hands and his side. In the midst of their fear, the disciples are being granted the peace of the Lord, which can overcome their fears. And we know that after meeting Jesus, they're no longer afraid, because a week later, when they're gathered again, there's no mention that they're afraid any longer. And Jesus also gives them a job to do, just like he gave one to Mary. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus had been sent into the world to reveal the fullness of God to the people, and now the disciples, in unity with Jesus, are being sent out to continue that work, showing God to the world. Jesus's appearance works. The disciples are transformed They're no longer afraid and they joyfully tell Thomas, who wasn't with them on Easter Sunday for some reason, we don't know why, that they have seen the Lord. The fullness of the God that they are sharing is a God who has conquered death by rising from the dead. But Thomas can't believe them. He hasn't seen what everyone else has seen and he's adamant that he will have to see Jesus too if he's going to believe So Jesus does the same thing for Thomas that he has done for Mary and for the other disciples. He shows up in the middle of Thomas's unbelief. Thomas gets called Doubting Thomas, but the word for doubt isn't actually found in the text. It's the word for unbelief. Thomas isn't doubting. He flat out doesn't believe. This just can't be true. The other disciples saw Jesus, and this is what changed for them. This is why they believe. And Thomas is asking for the same thing that they received. And Jesus doesn't seem to have a problem showing up in the midst of Thomas' unbelief to give Thomas exactly what he needs. Jesus' appearance this time is much like the last one. He enters through the shut doors, and his greeting is the same. Peace be with you. Then he shows Thomas his hands and his side And he offers Thomas exactly what Thomas has said he needs to believe, the opportunity to touch his wounds. Interestingly, Thomas doesn't seem to need this additional proof to touch Jesus once Jesus is in front of him. Instead, Thomas has been given the amazing faith that he needs. And Thomas utters the first dramatic confession of faith, My Lord and my God! This is the first post-resurrection acknowledgement of Jesus' divinity, and it comes from Thomas. Jesus completely transformed him, just like he transformed the others before him. I find this story to be an interesting one because I feel like we often think we need to have it all together before Jesus will show up in our lives. But we forget that Jesus was fully human, and he fully understands the depth of our human emotions and the places where we find ourselves. And these stories show us that Jesus chooses to enter into those spaces in all of their mess, their complexities, and their brokenness. The risen Jesus is choosing to be with us. Even more than that, though, these resurrection appearances show us that when Jesus shows up, In all of his divinity, he doesn't leave things the same. Just like we sing in Psalm 30, you turned my mourning into dancing, there's a depth of joy, a depth of peace, and a depth of trust, regardless of circumstances, that can all be found in the risen Jesus. Perhaps we need to be more like Thomas to ask for what we need, Yes, the scripture says that we are not to test the Lord, but that isn't what Thomas is doing here. He isn't testing. He genuinely doesn't believe. He is honestly saying what it is that he needs in order to believe. Perhaps he's less belligerent than we often think and more hopeful. Maybe he's even more desperate. Unless I see the nail marks, unless I put my hand in his side, I cannot believe Perhaps this is the desperate prayer of a disciple who wants so badly to believe that the Lord is risen, and he just can't. So he names what he needs, and Jesus gives it to him. If he doesn't chastise Thomas for saying clearly what he needs, perhaps we actually need to be more like Thomas and clearly ask God for what it is that we need in our lives. Finally, all of those who saw Jesus are sent out to share that news with others. And we are invited into that mission as well. When grief is turned into joy, fear turned to peace, and unbelief turned to a confession of faith, the disciples are invited into the same mission as Jesus. Share the good news of the God who has risen from the dead and who has come to earth to show God's love to the world. This is our invitation. So, where are you in the story this morning? Are you in the depths of human emotion, desperately needing Jesus to show up? He's there, like he was with Mary. So, ask God this morning to open your eyes and show you where he is so that you can see him clearly. Are you like Thomas, needing something specific? so you can move forward into deeper trust and closer relationship with the Lord. This is an opportunity for you to ask God for whatever it is that you need. Or are you like the disciples after they saw the Lord? If so, to whom are you being sent? Who in your life needs to hear the good news of joy, peace, and faith? Who needs to hear the good news of a God who has defeated death? Ask God to show you to whom he is sending you, and to give you the courage you need to share that good news. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.